Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dory. And, um... And Galen. Oh. Yeah. Who are you? I'm a voice emerging from the pre-apocalyptic rubble in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) Pre-apocalyptic. We'll see how many more weeks of government shutdown we can have before we reach full apocalypse. (laughs) Hopefully that won't be topical by the time this comes out. (laughs) At the time of recording, the American government is still partially shut down. Luckily for all of our listeners, we are considered a national security... Uh, necessity. We're, we're essential personnel. Right. Vital yes. asset. <laughs> so we're still going. Mm-hmm. They have yet to pull our funding or freeze our assets. To be fair, we don't works. have any funding, so it's about the same. Yeah, yeah, be, we're yeah. deep underground in a bunker, <laughs> protected from the outside world. Galen, don't tell them. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, yeah, Galen. We've got Galen. Hi, everybody. This is yet another special guest. Galen is someone who I've wanted to have on. And I chose the topics of our fan fix for today exclusively to draw Galen onto the show. <laughs> now, I actually forgot to mention it at the end of last week's episode, so it's a total mystery, except that you saw the title when you downloaded this episode, so it's not. We are doing Final Fantasy Tactics. Final Fantasy fan Tactics. Advanced. No? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the Final Fantasy Tactics. It starts with a snowball fight, right? Yeah. Very memorable. <laughs> it's a good game. Oh, no. It's, as a non... Um, this was all a dream. <laughs> Non-experienced tactics person. I've never played Advanced. Is, the, is Advanced very different from the original tactics? It's a different in game, terms yeah. of In terms of gameplay, there's a lot of similarities. Yes. In terms of everything else, it's very different. Very different. Yeah. I see. But it does start with you and a bunch of other kids doing a snowball fight in the combat system, and it's like the most charming way to start a like square based yeah Yeah. battle tutorial it does sound pleasant it's charming it's fun and it has the cerebral combat mechanics of the original (laughs) it does not have the cerebral plot of the original it's not what we're talking about today though i only brought it up because it's my only major frame of reference but (laughs) (laughs) pretty much the same i'm sure close enough uh now galen you are much more familiar with final fantasy tactics right that's right so Just to introduce the game for our listeners, Final Fantasy Tactics was a high-budget game. It was of the generation of CGI forward games right when that technology came to the fore with the PlayStation. It was right after Final Fantasy VII in terms of production, Mm -hmm. and it was a cinematic addition to the Final Fantasy series. It had a full orchestra soundtrack, It had an opening full CGI cinematic with reflective water and fog effects uh, and cinematography. And so it was approached with the seriousness and ambition of a movie. So in the time for me, who, you know, I'd been playing Super Mario flat uh, 2D video games, it felt like an immersive experience, almost like a VR experience uh, in the late 90s. Did you get on this when this when it when, when it was originally released or just about? So I started playing it in 1998. And how many years did it take you to stop playing it? <laughs> uh, I'm still playing it to this day, from time <laughs> to time. I would say. So you were like nine or ten years old when you were. That's right. It. I was a yeah. third grader. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy Tactics was uh, different than previous Final Fantasy games in that it was grittier. Uh, also grittier. 
because it takes place on a grid. Grittier uh, and grittier. I don't know if I love you or hate you, Amato. <laughs> it's it was, definitely one of those. It was darker, and it focused on uh, historical drama, betrayal, politics, and uh, the target audience had lots of opportunities to stay with a dark, serious Final Fantasy game that was also full of magic and summons. Uh, and things of that nature. So it was uh, a tactical game, and the mechanics were tactical, but the theme of the game had to do with historical palace intrigue drama. Sort of well, like, and class struggle, and demons, and Catholicism, right? That's right. So it's kind of a uh, historical fiction. <laughs> it's an F Catholic. Catholic Ex-Catholic communist. That's, those are actually all my favorite things. What are you saying, Dom? So, so it's sort of like a historical fiction. Mm. That's right. It frames itself in that way. In the beginning, the opening script is of a historian looking back at the history of a war and examining manuscripts from historians of the time that had been uh, excommunicated. And so uh, it frames itself as a historian looking at the fantasy of a historical event that had happened hundreds of years prior. So it plays with narrative a little bit in that way, but it doesn't really stick to that very much. On top of which, the war in it is kind of supposed to be the War of the Roses, right? That's right. So (laughs) it's a European mishmash uh, storyline. Just like every other fantasy-based franchise that comes out, it's based on War of the Roses. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Now, in finding fanfics for this... Uh, listening to Galen's description, you might understand why it didn't produce quite the same quantity of fanfiction as something like Final Fantasy VII, where it's like, oh, here's a cool aesthetic and people with big swords and they have personalities and they go and also, kill things. I want Tifa and Cloud to kiss. Yeah, that too. <laughs> want someone to kiss anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say those two, but... So I had a little trouble finding... Maybe me and Tifa. I, 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 I think that's a bulk of the fanfiction, although I think author insert in Tifa is probably a large section, too. <laughs> you are basically yeah. Cloud Tori, so it's the same thing. Oh my god, stop. Looking at your blonde hair. <laughs> um, my uh, giant sword that's just as tall as my body. Well, you're not that tall, so... We're, we're allowed to talk about yeah, the giant exactly. sword? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Uh, yeah, are we allowed to talk about how it's a metaphor? An obvious metaphor. Now, oh yeah. So yeah, finding Final Fantasy Tactics fan fiction that I had some reason to think was good. Mm-hmm. It was a little tricky, but I found it on a site called Icy Brian's RPG site. I'd like to talk about it just for a moment because it's very old internet. It's Icy Brian. Icy Brian. Covered in ice, not Icy Brian. No, I-C-I-C-Y Brian. Okay. So this guy, Brian Work, who now does like writing and drama and teaches in schools and stuff... Um, he, he still has an internet presence of some kind. He, according to his website, he discovered Suikoden and Final Fantasy VII in 8th grade and made a video game website dedicated to them. And over the next five years, it grew into a hub of fan fiction for JRPGs. Wow. You know, from 8th grade. And like that's, that's how the internet used to be. It's like there were gaping voids where nothing was. And if you were the person <laughs> who was like, I'll put something into that void, then suddenly that was like an important site. Right. Yeah, that's true. I kind of miss... Missed my opportunity to capitalize on that. I made a website, but it was all like my fan art of a uh, different Digimon that I had created. So, yeah. you know. Not quite the same demand. I know, exactly. 
And so there were forums on this website as well. And hosted through the forums on this website, a fan named Maggie Rennie, who apparently had some money to burn, set up these contests called the All That Glitters Is Cold contests. I, cold because Icy Brian, I guess, is the name of the website. There were three of them that took place between 2005 and 2006. A fourth was started and apparently had entries, but the website doesn't indicate that winners were ever declared. I say she has money to burn because they were cash prizes for placing in these competitions for JRPG fanfiction. Yeah, but these provided by the host of the website? Like... No, they were provided by this other fan, Maggie Rennie, who is the one to oh, thank for this effort. And, yeah. Just a people... person said, hey, I want to pay people to write good yeah. fanfiction. And so I'd like a bit of an aside here. Yeah. If we had disposable income, <laughs> which I know is a big if for all of us, mm. if you're going to throw some money out there and be like, hey, people, write some good fanfiction of this type, what would what kind of contest would you set up? I mean, I think I'd probably do like a billionaire thing of going, surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if... You, you would get that many entries, though. Yeah, it'd be kind of boring after a while, I think. It'd be a lot of, like, shock value things that wouldn't actually be interesting. So mm -hmm. it'd probably just, you know, you know, fade away after a while. <laughs> I would probably go with a, a Harry Potter fanfic contest because there are so many authors, mm. and uh, it would become more competitive, and the good stuff would rise to the top, and mm. you might actually get some really good work. I would definitely have, like, an um, under-18 competition, like, encouraging kids to draw me what their Digimon partner would look like. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. And then I'd make sure that um, the cash prize was distributed based somewhat on the winner and then somewhat on the most deserving in terms of income level of their families. <laughs> you know, so as, as a communist. So, so it'd just be like a... I'd just be redistributing the wealth under the guise of a contest. Yeah, it, it would just be a social program under the guise of a contest. <laughs> yeah, but then I'd get a bunch of kids fan art of Digimon, which is really all I want from my life, so... Sounds fair. It's a win-win. How about you, Amato? What's your dark design? Well, you know, I've uh, accumulated a bunch of fanfic ideas that I'm like, ah, oh, I should write that, except I never, ever will write that I don't actually want to. I want someone to write it for me. So I would probably put up a list of prompts and be like, choose one of these, write a fanfic based on that. So for example, my long-desired Carmen Sandiego Magic School Bus crossover, that would definitely be one of the prompts. <laughs> so That's what, the like, main one that springs to mind. Carmen Sandiego and steals Ms. Frizzle. the Magic School Bus. No, I would no. want Carmen Sandiego and Miss Frizzle to need to team up for something educational of some kind. Well, to yeah. travel like the second part, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, well, that'd be fair. <laughs> It'd be, oh, obviously, you're right. It'd have to be conflict, and then they team up. Yeah. How do you not know that Karma San Diego already doesn't team up with Ms. Frizzle and, like, use I the magic school must. bus to time travel already? That's what I think. Are well, you saying Ms. Frizzle is secretly a criminal? Mm-hmm. That's fair. I don't think she got permission slips for all those field trips. Yeah. I, I like how we all had crazy ideas, and Amato had actual patronage in mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, uh, yours was what pretty grounded, though. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, too grounded. Are you afraid to talk? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just excited to talk about a little bit more tactics. about tactics, like <laughs> the right. plot and Look, okay, uh, guys, guess like fine. We'll get back on topic. <laughs> yeah, getting back into the contests, both of these fanfics were second place winners in the first two contests. I, I should say each of these fanfics was a second place winner in the first two contests. Hmm. Why did I choose those? Because they were the only Final Fantasy Tactics fanfics that placed in any of the competitions. And again, I was just looking for some someone saying, hey, these were good fanfics. 
and someone thought these were good enough to give $35 to. Were they um, uh, JRPG-themed competitions? Yes, they were. All of the entries were JRPG of one type or another. And just to throw it out here, they judged it. There were a variety of judges, apparently representing a range of ages and tastes, and the fanfics were scored according to quality of writing and entertainment value, and the scores added up mm-hmm. like that. I knew that both of these fanfics had won silver medals. Mm-hmm. And, and $35. And $35. <laughs> and it actually helped me to reflect on them and my experience of them as it went. And I thought, yeah, I can see how this would be an award-winning fanfic as I read it. Mm-hmm. The first two of these fanfics that we're going to talk about is the second place winner of the first All That Glitters is Cold competition, Delita the King by Nistel. Now, unlike every other fanfic we've done, I actually got in touch with Nistel beforehand, and mm. she was able to like send some comments our way, and so That's I might be fair. chiming in with some of her thoughts if there's anything that seems relevant. Awesome. Um, the fact that that's never happened before is basically reflective that I'm really bad at doing my job. <laughs> not that all authors are impossible to find well, or like they never want to respond to me. It's just I'm usually not on top of things. To be fair, Amato, we never specified that that was a part of your job per se. Yeah, well, good. Then I'm not failing at it. Yeah, exactly. like we're just disappointing you when you don't come through. <laughs> According to Nestel, she spent a lot of time growing up at a babysitter's house with an older brother and other older boys around who didn't like her playing the video games. So she would usually like watch them reading a book. But the Final Fantasy, apparently first the original Final Fantasy game and then the sequels were like the first games that she got really into that was like reading a book. And she apparently enjoyed all of them all the way up through through seven, right? This kind of like prime height of Final Fantasy popularity. Right. And that includes things like Chrono Trigger and Xenogears and Final Fantasy Tactics. Didn't you in turn kind of play this together? We did, actually. We started out playing with our friend Ryan, who is a little bit older than I was. And actually both my older brother and Ryan uh, had a slightly more mature approach to it. And so it was exciting in that way. Mm. And because we started out playing with Ryan, I really had two different experiences. I had the first playthrough in which we were just crushed by the game, (laughs) and it felt difficult and Mm -hmm. uh, ruthless. And then the later experience of understanding the mechanics, playing through a second time, and then feeling like a god, just (laughs) uh, moving from battle to battle, significantly overpowered. So Mm -hmm. in both ways, there's a, a feeling of... Uh, either uh, of the power of the game. Either you have the power or the game has the power, depending on how you play it. So just no fear contest either way. (laughs) (laughs) It Um, seemed that way. Yeah, I do feel like that's kind of a good uh, lead-in for us for something we kind of might have jumped ahead of, which is like, we didn't really talk about um, Galen's relationship to us or Galen's relationship to, or any of our relationship to the media. It's... And it... Well, I just think it's interesting to point out that Galen is related to two of our prior guests. <laughs> it's all very incestuous, yes. Yeah, well... Um, but I just thought maybe Galen could say a little bit about himself and maybe, like, he are kind of already specified his relationship to Final Fantasy <laughs> Tactics, but maybe we could also say something about our relationship as well. More than happy to. So, uh, again, my name is Galen. My older brother is Taran, who's been on this podcast. And my wife is uh, CJ, who's been on this podcast. And so, we're all friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you could put it that way. A few things about myself. I, uh, I'm an art therapist. 
I had to stop myself from saying a, a D&D quip from an old character who always introduced himself as saying, I like guns and revenge. That's not true about me. Uh, I'm an art therapist, and I love reading uh, psychology books. I love reading art therapy books because as an art therapist, I'm constantly dealing with the drama of uh, people's lives, kids' lives, uh, parents' lives, and it's a humbling job. I love the job. It's creative, and... Uh, so I don't always have that much time to get into fiction anymore. I used to love getting into fantasy, and so this has been a lot of fun to revisit a game that I loved as a kid, the kinds of stories that I love, and fiction in general. And you're, you're itching to start talking about these stories, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's do it then. So. This first fanfic, Delita the King, by Nistel. And I'm saying Delita in English, I think that's right? Delita. Okay, great. Uh, so far, so good because Final Fantasy Tactics has a lot of names and place names. That's right. So just a few more notes about what the overall plot of Tactics is, because the first fanfic comes as, it's almost a sequel to the game. So yeah, I think it might be is. helpful to have a little bit of context about. Does everything that happened in this particular fic happen um, after the game? Yes. Everything that happens in this fanfic happens after the game. There's but, flashbacks to the game. But the epilogue of the game kind of leads off this thing, I'd say. Yeah, Galen, introduce the outline here. Why not? <laughs> okay, so the game opens with a pious princess who uh, is captured, and over the course of the game, she falls in love with her captor because he was trying to save her life to begin with. Uh, but the captor, Delita, is essentially the antagonist of the story, but he's also the older brother or the brother figure of the protagonist, Ramza. Delita is taking revenge against the noble class uh, by rising to the, through the ranks of nobility to become a populist hero. So in the introduction to the game, the historian mentions that Delita is a beloved figure in history. He's a king who ended the Lion War and who ruled in a favorable-to-history way. Um, he's looked on favorably by history. So Delita is the populist hero and his inciting event was that his sister uh, was murdered by a classist noble. So Delita was raised alongside Ramza in the Bayal family, which is a noble family in Europe. How are you saying that last name again? Because I've never heard it spoken. I, I say Beolf, but again, this goes a little bit to the language. Do you want to talk a little bit about the language as a brief aside before we go into more of the plot? We're Look, have all, to, I think. All I can say is that in preparation for this fanfic, I, or for these fanfics, I read an LP of the original Tactics translation, and it's rough going. Uh, it, it's rough going both because the translation is pretty spotty and because the source material is very detailed. So, for example, the end of Chapter 2... Here's what the game tells you happens at the end of chapter two mm -hmm. in a text up from the historian. Goltano went to Lasalia and confined Ruvelia in Bethia for kidnapping the princess and let the princess accede to the throne. But Larg insisted Orinus was the legitimate successor and had him accede to the throne. Then Larg became the regent as a guardian. Immediately after, Larg sent the Hokuten led by Orius to Bethla to rescue the queen. Meanwhile, Goltana sent the Nanten led by Olivia. This is the beginning of the upheaval, which would later be called the Lion War. 
<laughs> I didn't understand a word you just said. But yeah, there's like the two random Japanese group names in there. It's well, what's amazing about this? Okay, because here's what's amazing about this to me. For one thing, as a player, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, okay, I don't care. Right. It's, let me go kill It's somebody. fantasy jargon, and in any f- good fantasy game, there are all kinds of self-important names and locations that are off-screen, and so you kind of have that feeling. In addition, the developers of this story were born in the 60s in Japan after World War II, and there's this investigation, in a way, into European history. Hmm. And the sites in the game are derived from French, German, and English names, and they're all sort of thrown together. All the families have these different names. And they revised the language in an updated recent uh, re-polishing of the game that uses sort of Shakespearean language. A bit too much in my opinion. I, th- I think I cited that at one point as being an overdone translation. That may be true, but it actually hangs together from what I've seen of it, which is more than you can say for the original translation. I guess that's true, but I'm not looking for Shakespearean language in my um, PSB portable game. Hmm. All I can say is that as you play through the game, it's a immersive game. It feels heavy and it's an emotional game. So it's really not about the facts of where they are and who the people are because one of the catchphrases of the game is, is the truth only what we can see? And uh, the answer is no because the people who are writing this game are trying to make the characters complex, Mm -hmm. to have backstories, their own cultures that they're coming from, motivations and the the player doesn't get to know a lot of this history they're just sort of provided with some of this language and so even though the original script is this mismatch of french and german and english translated from japanese uh, it just comes across as a fantasy vocabulary that is pretty familiar to final fantasy players Hmm. now this fanfic kind of leads off of various events. Uh, can you talk about the epilogue really briefly? Um, in the epilogue of the game, we have Delita already having acceded to kinghood by marrying the princess, like a hero does, I guess. Right, and just very briefly, the game compares these two, essentially brothers. They're not brothers by blood, but Ramza, the protagonist, is a naive noble who's trying to be ethical and, and do the right thing. Because Ramza's the player character in the game, right? Yeah. He, he's the player character, and he starts out as a, a young sort of academy recruit who a- ends up being sort of a weapon of the state. He's part of the army oppressing a beleaguered and starving and desperate population that is, after this long 50 years war, they are attempting to overthrow the monarchies, which are destabilized. So it compares this young noble who's naive and who gets a bucket of cold water in the sense of meaningless and sometimes cruel deaths and murders through war with his brother, who is a common commoner who was... They don't explain why, but or at least if they do, I don't know it well <laughs> enough to know why, but he was raised with Ramza. He's a commoner who was raised as a brother to Ramza, and his sister is murdered. And so this is where they diverge. And it explores whether the means justify the ends, as 
Delita, the person who's more of a, a commoner, starts to make morally gray and sometimes overtly, uh, I guess, violent actions and subterfuge in order to achieve his ends, as opposed to Ramza, who is essentially trying to fight with a group of, a band of his party, you know, mathematicians, mathematicians, <laughs> monks, oh, time mages, you know, people throwing items at people <laughs> uh, to to essentially save the the princess, right? And so, Delita kidnaps the princess. The princess falls in love with him, and then at the end of the game, after the second, kind of the third act of the game, which is all about uh, religious corruption, which is a major theme in the game where uh, essentially the clergy are the the dark cabal that are actually uh, seeking to rule the kingdom and the clergy are are actually uh, possessed by these demons so the third act is all after after Ramza and Delita go their separate ways based on their political beliefs Ramza really goes finds out that there's all these demons controlling everything. I think that's the one thing that's not relevant at all in these two fanfics. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, after all that, uh, Ramza kill, slays the demon and rides off into the sunset, and Delita, it flashes forward in the epilogue to Delita. He's now king. Uh, all of his rising through the ranks has allowed him to uh, become king and rule the way he wants to. And he's married to uh, Ovelia, and in the post-credit scene, uh, he it's he's comes upon Ovelia. It's Ovelia's birthday. This is the princess that he uh, had kidnapped, and now it's his wife. And he finds her outside of some ruins. He tells her everybody has been looking for her, and he's brought her flowers. And she turns to him and she says, "You use everybody like that," and stabs him. And so it's this Shakespearean twist at the end. And she says, now you'll kill me like you killed Ramza. And so she stabs him, and then he stabs her, and they both collapse. But we know from the historian that he apparently, like, seems to have lived on and been a successful king. Came out of it unscathed as far as reputation goes. Or as far as reputation goes. And additionally, um, I believe in conversation with Nistel, she was referencing... Uh, what's the follow-up in continuity? Vagrant story? Um, as showing that he apparently survived that. He seems to have lived longer than that. Exactly. So one thing I love about Final Fantasy Tactics is that, like I said, it has a beautiful soundtrack. It's got a full orchestra. And it's cinematic. It explores some darker themes like uh, a young noble and his best friend and brother figure who go separate ways when they're for, you know faced with moral dilemmas. And so they have a cinematic trailer in the title screen with these three quotes that I think kind of summarize the main themes of the game. The first one is, is the truth only what we can see? And that kind of hints at how all the different characters have complex motivations and that there are shades of gray in how a villain is developed in this game. Each protagonist could be a villain from the perspective of uh, one of the villains, and each villain could be a hero, depending on how you see it. Uh, and the second quote is, 
blame yourself or God, and that has to do with how there's this quote in, in one of these combats between the elite nobles and the oppressed people where they say, who gives you the right to to kill us, essentially, the nobles in this class warfare? And Algus, one of the nobles, says, the gods. And one of the, uh, the rebel people says, well, your gods must be demons. And that sort of hints at how the second half of the game is about fighting demons. Um, and then there's also this loss of innocence, coming of age of the young noble who wants to do well fighting in a war, and he's gradually disillusioned and discovers all this corruption both in his own family and in the church. So it's pretty somber, it's pretty bleak, and uh, at the same time, it's really interesting to a lot of the people who play it. And I'm sure that the people who were writing fanfic about it were drawn to the same kind of... um, Depth. Yeah, depth of storyline and characterization, because they must have had a lot of motivation to be able to grapple with the complexities of that continuity and translation. This first fanfic, Delita the King, also has a historical record as a frame story. It's presented initially as being, um, well, records are initially presented that, like, this is how the king, Delita, died. Uh, Though then I think that's kind of mostly abandoned through the rest of the story. And it's not written by that same scholar, um, what is it, Al-Islam Durai or anything like that? Well, the the first story is kind of, in the first page or first seven paragraphs, it tells you a brief like historical anecdote about how this king died, mm-hmm. saying like he was injured, someone went to get help, and four hours later he was dead. Okay, yeah. And then the structure of the story is uh, one hour after, two hours after, three hours after, four hours after, what, what's happening at the time, and flashbacks going through the king's mind also. Right. Yeah, which was, I thought was a really interesting structure. Kind of reminded me of the, the Sailor Moon one we did where it was like, the the four minutes five minutes at when uh, yeah. you know when fifteen you minutes died. I don't remember <laughs> yeah it was like this minute you know this happened this minute this happened but in this each minute is kind of um, him his reflections rather while he is passing away yeah and it's yeah it gives us a lot of context it's it, I think the structure is really well done to be honest. The basic setup is that Delita is going hunting with a couple of retainers, and like they dismount, and he goes after a stag that they um, have been chasing. I don't quite understand how hunting works. I don't particularly understand how hunting works in a Final Fantasy Tactics universe in particular. Uh, I guess you don't blast it with fire spell or anything <laughs> like that. You don't calculate it to death. No, apparently not. Um, There's a nice nod to how space works, where they talk about how the the stewards are cornering the, the thing that the stag that's being hunted in a, a grid-like manner. <laughs> so, so it doesn't run, run off the board? <laughs> yeah, that brought a smile to my face when I was reading it. Yeah, But Delita goes in um, like deeper after it, and they wait for him a while and he doesn't come back, and when they go to find him, he is on the ground, he has been stabbed, apparently with his own knife, because that's the only knife around, it's got his blood on it. Mm-hmm. The stag, what's the state of the stag? Uh, two arrows in it, and dead. Two arrows in it and dead. Mm. Uh, covered in blood? Uh, the stag? Yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the, I, don't, I don't think they necessarily specify that, but that Delita has these significant knife wounds. Just uh, one knife stab. Not right? necessarily a knife wound, but like a, 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 a stab or a scar. Like could have been mm-hmm. gored, maybe. Right. Yeah, the deer is shot, but not smeared with this blood, apparently. Um, and so one of the retainers, you know, hustles back on a horse to, to the city to fetch 
a doctor and a white mage, and maybe I think too much about these things. But what does the doctor do exactly? I don't know. You know, in both of these fanfics, they reference the chemist a lot, who who comes in, or the doctors, or the chemist who comes in and takes care of them. And it's like, yeah, chemist is a class. Well, white mage can heal physical wounds, but can they clear up bacterial infections? Oh, good question. This is a very good question. Doctor must be a new class that they added (laughs) in the post credits. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The other retainer stays with Delina as he is getting kind of progressively more uh, blood-deprived or delirious. In shock, maybe. Right. And he doesn't really understand how he injured himself either. Uh, He's sort of trying to piece it together also. And the story never really tells you. It does not. Um, According to the author... Um, her comment is, I think the fact that the wound is set exactly over the scar he has from Ovelia is telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she go- doesn't go far as to have a exact thing that well, happened. I do want to say that there's a hint to it in hour one, mm-hmm. and I think I said minutes before, but it's broken up by hours. In hour one, the first paragraph is, Delita cannot remember how he injured himself, and the end is... Yet afterwards, you know, he's, he describes what happens when he was chasing the deer. He says, yet afterwards, his memory turns blank. White is as it has done with increasing frequency over the past several weeks. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have this idea that he's getting increasing numbers of memory blanks. And that he, I don't know, might have some sort of dementia. He's quite old. And that this is something he could have easily done to himself and not remembered. Yeah. I think that's the impression we're supposed to receive. Probably. But, you know, this being a fantasy world, a vengeful ghost is probably just as good a possibility as anything else. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever. Something's going on, though, with his brain. Something's going Something. on. And we get some various flashbacks over the course of the story. Like, the first main big flashback we get is sort of designed to show how he was beloved by the people. And at least initially as a king, was very actively thinking of himself as being a king for the people and um, and and also very consciously presenting himself that way. Because mm-hmm. he's always, as a character, a very kind of pragmatic, real politics sort of leader. Right. Delita is a populist anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And so he's constantly motivated by the cruelty of the nobles, and in particular in the game... Algus, who's this sort of psychopathic noble who is in uh, who is in opposition to Ramza, who's the good noble, mm. and yet he's he's betrayed by Algus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say it's funny. You know, you point out like Galen, you having played the game, having more context, saying in, in the context of the game that Delita was more of a antagonist than a protagonist, because I think both of these stories kind of paint him. Kind of nice. More, yeah, more favorable or Ramza, more antagonistic. Well, so. I would say both the game and the fanfic play with the irony that Delita is hates nobles, and yet he becomes a king. He becomes mm-hmm. the noble of nobles. Mm-hmm. And he hates uh, murder for the sake of power or indiscriminate murder, and yet he commits these murders as the king. Uh, he sends these... Uh, nobles to be executed. Um, Almost without a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's the second main flashback after an interlude where he's talking with the squire who stayed with him and it's it's not that interesting. He's just kind of delirious and being like, well, what happened? And the squire's like, "Uh, your majesty, what what happened? And, you know, it's not the biggest deal. But the second main flashback is Delita's declaration of outlawing nobility. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to seize all the property. He's saying anyone with noble blood, a noble title, has to come out and force, forsake their title and swear allegiance to the new regime, and then it's going to be fine. Otherwise, we'll throw you in the dungeon and probably kill you in a few years if you haven't come around. And they have a grace yeah. period of three months in order to ac- accomplish this. Right. But, you know, this is his This is his goal for, like, creating equality, for, like, mm-hmm. bringing up the, the, um, the commoners from being treated like animals without souls um, to having everybody be equal and he's saying like give up your property like become equal with everyone or there will be a punishment because that's his incentive and it actually you know it seems like fairly reasonable to give them an incentive it's fairly um, reasonable in some ways it but like galen said there's that irony the quote the is, that is irony. make yes. no mistake the aristocracy will be eliminated said delita class yet, has no place yes. in a civilized society says the king Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and his compromise is um, <clears throat> three months as a grace period for nobles. If they don't, then they get imprisoned for a year. If they don't, then they get killed. And every noble after that that hasn't um, said anything, no matter like if they're informed or not, are just automatically killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And part of the yeah, theme so of... there's some of that stuff. And, and I think part of what's beautiful about Final Fantasy Tactics as a narrative is that it, it's a circular narrative. And the historian... Even though history reflects Delita as this good king, he's ultimately propped up by this clergy that have, in the game, are shown to be corrupt. Pretty thoroughly corrupt, yeah. Right, and so the idea is that uh, history, in this sense, was sculpted by the victors, sculpted by the clergy, and so whether or not he really was a good king or whether he was a fascistic king is up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Now, in hour three, which is like the next time he comes to his senses and he's talking to his steward, at this point he's more out of it. And this is when he realizes, oh, I was stabbed in the same place that um, Ovelia. Ovelia stabbed me at that one time. And he's trying to communicate this to the squire who like doesn't get it. He's like, the same, pl- the same place and the same knife. Um, was, he's like, oh, yes, yes, we are in the same place you were an hour ago. Yes. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's trying to communicate. And this was the most interesting I thought the conversations between them was because mm-hmm. he says, he starts babbling about that whole incident. He says, she wasn't strong enough to pierce the muscle. It was her birthday. Sire, you are not yourself. You don't know what you're saying. And then I killed her. There is a silence. The wind picks up, rustling through the tree branches. Dead, dry leaves sweep the ground. The steward slowly removes his hand from Delita's. Your majesty, he whispers, the first queen died of the plague, a sudden contraction of the plague. Don't you, do you remember, majesty? And this is one indication, and there's going to be another more major one in the fanfic, that, you know, everyone's complicit in sculpting this narrative of Delita. And in this case, uh, like the squire here is hearing some compromising information, kind of choosing not to believe it. And the very story that she died of the plague is because his chancellor finds him after that incident, this is, you know, a flashback from a later scene. His chancellor finds him with blood and finds the dead queen, and he's like, what the hell happened? But he, This would be a direct uh, a continuation of the epilogue of the game? It would. That would be, like, immediately after, right? That's right. So just this quick summary of the epilogue of the game. Hmm. The King Delita is come, come upon his wife, the queen, and, again, so he's the hero of the common folk, and after all of this game, you want some redemption of Delita, that all that he's done to achieve his power will come to some 
positive ending. And this is after the credits. And she stabs him. And it's sort of a gut punch to the player seeing this anti-hero who, who could be redeemed being stabbed by the princess, essentially, who's now the queen. Did they give a reason? The reason is that she believes that he killed Ramza, the protagonist of the story. Mm. That's what she says. Mm -hmm. And she's come to believe that he has become corrupt. She says that he's used people, essentially Which is certainly true. Right, and he has. That's his... Stabbed a lot of people in the back to get where he is. Right, and so, in a sense, her stabbing him is a way of saying that essentially punishing his his own corruption or his own the sins that he's committed along his journey to power but he doesn't take the stabbing line down yeah. that's right so after she stabs him she says now you're going to kill me and he does he stabs her right back it's yeah. very shakespearean and yeah in this fanfic what happens after that he's very dazed by it but his the chancellor finds him and, you know, takes him aside and kind of cleans the whole thing up and has a little speech to him. Your majesty, whispered his chancellor into his ear, what has happened today is unfortunate, gravely unfortunate, and I won't ask you how it came to be. But in return, you mustn't allow these events to be the end of all you've struggled for. You must never speak of them. Can you imagine what it would do? How the people would view you? And he puts forth this story. And then, in that same memory scene, Mm -hmm. the chancellor leaves the room, sends the chemist to treat him, and the chemist is like, King, if I may say so, it's an incredible honor. You're a huge inspiration. My family was suffering and starving back during the war, and you, you know, turned things around for the common people like me. And so you definitely get this, like, double blow of, like, the reality versus the legend and the isolation that he's never going to be able to talk about this. And the chemist says stuff like, I thank heaven every day that they gave you to us, and that's God's truth. Right, right. Uh-huh. And, like, my, people died, but we, we were able to live because of you. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it is a really funny, like, you know, it's interesting, yeah, like I mentioned before, just to hear that, that different, like, the summary of actually how Taxers portrayed the characters, because in this fanfic, it's like, you kind of get the idea that this is a, almost like a portrait, like, a, an, a, a difficult portrait of a hero, rather than, I guess, the more of a villain he was supposed to be in the game. He's not... He's not or the not villain, villain of the game, though. Or anti-hero is a better word. Anti-hero, I suppose. But, you know, I, I read it as a difficult portrait of a hero. Like, I really thought in the game he would have panned out to be, like, a heroic character, and they were just saying, like, oh, no, like, here are the messed up things that he did. You know what I mean? And that's that's what makes it so fascinating to, like, kind of reflect on. Here's, Here's what I would say. As yeah. a third grader playing the game, Delita <laughs> is so <laughs> mysterious he pops up from time to time, and he is—he seems to be working towards the greater good. And you really want him to be an antihero in the redeemed sense. It just kind of came off as inscrutable. Here's the author's comments about why she loved Alita so much. She says he gets the usual here, literal fridged loved female relative, but she's not his only motivation. It's his motivation to work with the establishment and to work alone to talk through any side of his mouth while being ten steps ahead. Ultimately, and according to his beloved status and vagrant story, he was successful at playing this game, eliminating earthly threats and knowing to send the strongest hero he had to go after the real evil. He will kill, shockingly, to get stuff done, but just as shockingly, he will zag when he will zig, allowing Balmafuda and Orlandu to live when he didn't have to, for instance. In this story, I wondered where Delita would be 50 years old. Uh, would he be magnanimous? 
Maybe. In Vagrant's story, he's remembered in that way. Or could he still be acting? Or in his last words, both? So was it to say the author said that this was supposed to be deleted at 50? Because I read him more at like 70 or something. At his death, I think. They're like arthritic knees and all this stuff that reads as like an old man, you know? They do a lot of jumping up and down things, yeah, you know, in, in combat. I didn't read him as elderly. He was going out hunting the stag. Yeah, that's yeah, not a 70 maybe year old. Maybe 60s. Okay, you're they, probably they, right. Uh, at the beginning of this story, they date it as 1046. 50 doesn't seem that And they say the. Um, they said they they got crowned at um, one thousand eight, so about what thirty six years later or something. Yeah. Okay. So fifties. Okay. I can do basic math. Fifties. <laughs> you think he got crowned and when he was like? No, it says. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, something I, like I that. Just, I'm, well, it, it's I'm Final Fantasy. He probably got crowned, crowned when he was 14. Yeah, this is a very good point. <laughs> yeah. So he's not as old as I thought he was, but, you know, he still lived a life. Yeah. And then the last scene of the fanfic is kind of lengthy and definitely, you know, climactic. And at this point, it's unclear how how accurate his memories are, because he's... There's definitely weird things about this last scene. He's slipping kind of in and out of... Well, I mean, it's all memories, but I should say there's... He is confused in the moment, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's indications that these memories might not be reliable, and things might not have happened this way. But a footman comes to him, and this footman... The author says she worked really hard on the names, and specifically chose the name of one of the possible generic NPC party members that Ramza can have in his party. Uh, this this footman is Radcliffe. Hmm. And Which is he, a cool name. <laughs> it's a cool name. I, I'm sure she yeah. chose the coolest of the names. <laughs> well, I, I think the steward's name is Collins, so not quite as cool. Uh, Collins, yeah. yeah. Well, it was still thoughtful, I'm sure. Radcliffe comes and he's like, hey, we turned up a noble. And Delia's like, oh, really? That's crazy. It's been like 40 years. Or however long that that's been in, in effect. I thought we killed everybody. Yeah, okay, so or, Tyson and Tyson, let's go. <laughs> but, but we'll kill everybody or, uh, or you know, they renounce their names. So he's like, yeah, well, the statute of limitations is way past. And Radcliffe says, your majesty, he's a Bilalova. What? what? What was the name? What's the last name of Ramza? Bailuv? Bale. I have no idea. Bailuv. I would say Bailuv. That that's how my uh, phone pronounced it. Not that you can trust my phone for much things, but it got Deluda like the way we've been pronouncing it. I don't know. And one thing, I, just as an aside, that I love about Radcliffe is, as you play Final Fantasy Tactics, mm-hmm. you do develop relationships with the randomized named characters <laughs> that you find. I remember there was a character named Knox that became a knight through the job system. His personality, because he was a strong fighting type character, he became this upfront warrior. And I always thought of Nox as a strong, actual character in the story, even though he was essentially randomized. But through the job system, he became a knight, became a samurai. Oh, I was just imagining that Radcliffe was in the party for about a chapter before Ramsay kicked him out to get space for a monster that he was going to turn into a perfume. <laughs> <laughs> That would make sense. (laughs) But I love that the author considered that. Uh, Radcliffe tells him, we found a Beowulf, whatever. Specifically, it's Ramza. And uh, I really love this scene in a theatrical sense because Mm -hmm. Delita goes through like five different emotions over the course of just like that part of the conversation alone. I really want to see this staged because like there's a whole lot of character beats happening that we're going to have to sort of 
skim over, I you, think. You could do some good uh, cinematography with this, I think. Absolutely. Good blocking. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Radcliffe says, look, I know you said at this point any nobles we find are going to be killed, but I served with this guy when I was young, and he's genuinely a good person. Please spare him. And Delita kind of shouts at Radcliffe and orders him away and goes to face Ramza alone. Ramza is in like a little storage thing because they don't usually need prisoners there in the castle. Wait, like, yeah, yeah, the footman's given him the whole spiel, spare this guy, and Delita's just getting more and more like confused and agitated at the same time mm-hmm. until it just, yeah. be silent, he said in a hiss. Still your tongue and remove your hand before I have it removed from your arm. Yeah, this yep. was the point in the story that Delita became like super unlikable for me. Like, <laughs> like it was like everything else he did was there was like a certain reason. Even when you know he does kill his wife, which is horrible, but she did attack him first, and mm-hmm. he was you know perpetrating self defense. And so you can understand that. At this point, he's just like, you're lucky that I'm banishing you and choosing not to hear what you said instead of just killing you outright. And I was like, whoa, yeah. dude, that's harsh. Like, he was just asking for, a, like, somebody he cared about to be spared. Sure glad we abolished so, that class system. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's the messed up part about it. So then they were like, wait a second. Wait a second. Because he's a footman, so he's like, still your tongue, you not noble. So. And... <laughs> the scene with Ramza is where things get the most fuzzy ambiguous. Because for one thing, he's dressed in the same armor that Delita saw him in last, which is bright, shining white, quote, blanched by the light of God. And for another thing, he barely talks. He just kind of stares at Delita, and Delita talks at him, except for a single line. Delita sort of goes into a, a whole spiel where he's like, oh, Ramza never thought I'd see you again. He seems to harbor anger at Ramza for, like, in his view, everything having been so morally easy for him. It's like, oh, you just had to go and, you know, do the right thing all the time, and and I had to do the hard stuff. Yeah, this would be a fun scene for the for the Delita actor. To, Absolutely. To yeah. If we have some money, that's what we should do. Tell people to <laughs> do a student art film version of this fanfic. Fan fiction fan films? Yeah. There's, there's quite a bit to praise in the writing here, actually. I thought the you writing know, was like very to, strong in this whole last... To kind of jump bit. off that, like, yeah, like, in terms of Delita as a character here, is, like, Delita let out a bark of laugh of a laugh when he saw who was there, and it's Ramza, like, this, you know, his long-lost brother, and it just, this whole scene is, yeah, him, like really going in on himself but like talking to Ramza mm-hmm. I thought the writing there was super good I would like to see that acted out yeah uh, Galen what do you think about the Ramza in this scene did that seem Ramza-ish well I, and I would say that I agree that there's some ambiguity in whether this is an actual flashback or whether this is his own experience of his death and uh, but I'll talk about that more in a sec I do agree with that too mm-hmm. but yeah go on he, he, after he first says, well, uh, sorry you turned up, Ramza, I guess I'm going to have to kill you because statute of limitations on being a noble is over, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then he has his little rant, and then finally he's just like, say something, damn you. Don't you just, don't you dare just sit there. Say something to me. And what Ramza says is, and what did you get, Delita? And that's significant because it's a line of Delita's. That's right. So in the, the epilogue scene... When Delita has just been stabbed, he says something along the lines of, Ramza, what did you get? As in, uh, out of all of these experiences that we've had and all the choices that you've made, 
what has come? What's your experience of that? How do you reflect on that now at the end? What has come of it? Yeah. yeah. And then there's this response in the scene that we're witnessing, which mm-hmm. is unclear if it is actually a reflection, like getting pointed out, and we'll get to that, or if it's an imagining. But what did you get, Delita? There was silence. I, Delita's mouth didn't seem to work. I, he tried to laugh. I didn't want anything. I never wanted anything. But he knew Ramza with his steady blue eyes could see through his lie. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Like, I feel like that is the absolute climax of the story. Right. So, I think the author leaves it open to interpretation how this wound that kills Delita came about. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a stylized fan fiction and that it uses a lot of imaginative uh, kinds of writing that leave it open to the, the reader to understand. I got the sense because the wound is directly over Ovelia's stab wound that he stabbed himself and that he and again this is my own guess based on reading mm-hmm. the story and that he is flashing back or, or responding to Ramza who's his old his old brother essentially moral compass maybe right and who in the story in Final Fantasy Tactics that's the last person that he dialogues with and it's also in this fic, it's the last person that he dialogues with again, as in both cases, he's been stabbed. Mm-hmm. And Ramza is, is essentially the brother that comes to mind. In the game, Ovelia stabs him because of his hypocrisy. And my sense is that if I'm right about it being a suicide, which I, you know, maybe I'm not, that it's his own reflection on his own hypocrisy. And it seems like there's some self-hatred in there, yeah. And in this last scene, uh, the author's comment was that whether or not it's actually happening or happened as such is less important than the decision he comes to. And at the end, someone comes and, you know, asks him, uh, so sorry, what are, what are we going to do with this guy? So, yeah, it, I, I kind of like this scene because, like, he's having this moment with Ramsey. He's, like, engaged and distressed. Then he turns and looks at the window and acts as if Ramsey isn't in the room anymore, mm-hmm. which, is, which could be, like, two different memories bleeding together. In fact, yeah, there's even the, the person asks him, like, Sire, and then he's thinking, Ramza. Delita had just been speaking to Ramza on Nora's birthday, but nothing had happened on Nora's birthday. Other things. Ramza had died ten years ago in Mudrond. No, forty years ago? Delita had never seen him again, hadn't he? And so that's where it's really getting completely just, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Unambiguously ambiguous? Unanchored to reality. Yeah. Old, I suppose. <laughs> the, the unreliable narrator. Yeah. Right, right. I, I think at this point, if I was like directing it, I'd put like some like forced loam on the bottom or something, or maybe like a stream or dead mm-hmm. deer in the room. The lighting would definitely <laughs> be changing. Well, yeah. and you know, we're only about four, five, six paragraphs from the end. Some of the paragraphs are very short because they're dialogues. Oh, yeah. So we're finishing we're, What I mean is, you know, we're looking at a man who's fading from life. Right. So these are all his recollections and it's just getting muddled. And this is where we get that connection between what is the memory and what's actually happening for, happening for him. Like the memories are blurring together. The last couple of paragraphs are a decision to make. And this is from Delita's perspective. Suddenly, Delita's mind cleared. He could feel Ramza's gaze on his back. All that Ramza knew and all that Ramza could see, he felt. No, Delita said to the window. No, execute him, right now, keep it quiet. He heard behind him faintly, yes, your majesty, a shuffle in the room, a clanking of chains. They did not interest him, however. Through the window now, through the blinding whiteness, he could see something else. 
A man standing at window, old, young, crowned. His back was straight, his shoulders broad, his arms were crossed. He looked noble, heavy with his thoughts, heavy with his honor. He looked as a king should, unless, Delita thought, you knew what was behind him. For Delita, his eyes, white, did. The end. Yeah. Which it says a lot right there, just that last chunk. It does. How he sees himself as like both old and young at the same time, and noble. I mean, used here as a as a good term, but used by Delita as a pejorative most of the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he wanted to delete the nobility, and 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 not, and at first, you know, he said, you know, not in a way that punishes them, you know, necessarily. But it punishes them for not revoking their ability, but also just, like, creates the idea of equality, you know? But then it does, like you said, become a pejorative because of the nobles who resist him. Like, I don't think, in at least this story, he ever anticipated that resistance. He thought people would come around and we'd all be equal. And then he ends up being this punisher king. And it's so very bizarre it's like he's recognizing himself that he became yeah. the noble and he says he, he looks how a king should yes unless he and knew he very what, much what was behind it yeah yeah he be, he became the noble that he hated i, I like that paragraph <laughs> it's very good yeah. it's very well written part of what i thought was interesting in this story is how in the game as ramza you're encountering all of these moral dilemmas and you're often killing people as you go. I mean, Ramza, he's white in this story in Delita's mind because compared to Delita, I mean, Delita is like, all right, I'm leaning in. I'm going to use subterfuge. I'm going to use assassination or I'll be compassionate from time to time because ultimately I have good intentions. Whereas Ramza isn't willing to do that. He actually uh, goes into, becomes a mercenary uh, but to protect people, right? He becomes sort of a hired hand. So I think he, he, Rams is portrayed in this fic as being this more ethical uh, friend to Delita when really Rams is confused throughout the game. He's very confused. And what I loved about this is Delita becomes confused as well, right? And so he, he's questioning himself in, in a way that Rams did throughout the game. And so he kind of becomes the protagonist. And as one final comment, in conversation with the author, unlike usual, I thought it was kind of cool. She mentioned that she specifically did not make any mention of his sister, that she wanted her to be conspicuous by absence in this fanfic, at least on an unconscious level. So, like, it informs everything that happens, but she's not, like... I guess it's long enough ago that Delita probably wants to think that he's over it, probably, or that kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very smart narrative choice. Mm-hmm. Moving on, the second fanfic we read is called The Ending of a Revolution by Alexander Olivia. This was the second place winner in the All That Glitters is Cold 2 fanfic competition. And apparently Alex Olivia was a fanfiction writing friend of our first author, Nistel, and she convinced him to enter the competition. Mm. And he was $35 richer for it. Cool. And also got a piece of artwork by someone named Cute Luca. But we do not have that artwork. <laughs> when this came out, it was probably a lot of money. Oh, yeah, I mean, 50 years ago. No, when did this come out again? Sometime <laughs> <laughs> in the 60s. I think you could buy a comic book for 50 cents. Oh. <laughs> Back in 2005. You could buy a PlayStation for a nickel. 
<laughs> I remember those days, the good old days. Of course, we drew our PlayStations on the sidewalk with chalk. Anyway, <laughs> this fanfic, the ending of a revolution. It's, I, can I say more straightforward than the first fanfic? You can say that, yes. It yes. is I'll basically it. the event of the first book or first part, whatever you call it, of Final Fantasy Tactics. The prequel? But, no, um, not the prequel, just like the first part of the game. I was like chapter zero, then chapter one after this? Uh, it's chapter one then. Right, it's an illustration oh, okay. of a sequence, an illustration of a, a couple of scenes in chapter one. Yeah, mm, but yeah. from the perspective of a different character. Okay, Dom and I were a little confused about that because of the youth of Deluda and, and Realms that we, we mm-hmm. weren't sure. Now, I vaguely remember going through this part. This is about as far as I'd gotten in the game before mm-hmm. yeah. being frustrated at having to guess where people are in order to cast spells. Yeah. And, <laughs> can and I can was you peg the spell to them or something? No, you have to target a square and then you have to still be there by the time it fires. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. Yeah, so this character <laughs> has sort of a brief role and her death c- causes a chain reaction that is part of, for example, Delita and Ramza's split. Yeah. Which the character? character is named Maluda. And she's kind of a uh, a leader that you fight a couple of times of a group called the Death Corps. And uh-huh. the Death Corps are, uh, what do you call it? Um, she's, she's part of the rebellion, essentially. Right. A band of people trying to change the ruling structure of... Right, but if you're, if you're lower-class militants going for a revolution, do you call yourself the Death Corps? The Vanguard it's, is what I would say. Wait, what was the Japanese Lord. name? <laughs> yeah, no, the, their branding, I'm not so sure. About. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, like, Hans, are we the baddies sort of thing. It's like, <laughs> look, you're going for the people's support. It's not going to be like, oh, yeah, we're the Death Corps, join up. Honestly insane, yeah. Like, and this is why the kind of, like, classed up in tactics makes me a little uncomfortable, is it's like, um, the peasants should revolt, and they should punish the nobility for, like, the things they've done to them. Well, you're supposed to feel like, really bad about the fighting that you're doing in this part of the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. your character Roms is the one who's, well, both Roms and Delete are, to different extents, being like, sure. are, should we be fighting these guys? I think Why maybe, are we you doing know, this? at the time I was playing it, I couldn't grasp that. It felt very bizarre. I was young, you know. It, it just feels bizarre, right? Right, and in this part of the game, you've got your wagon hitched to this sort of psychopathic noble snotty guy who is essentially saying these these guys are animals and so Maluda is this sort of side character she's a hardened soldier she's a, a member of the rebellion and she's the sister of the leader of the rebellion sister of the leader she's fighting on the losing side uh, her friends and her fellow rebels are being swept up by the militias uh, including Ramza so I think she's kind of in retreat in this fanfic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's definitely not a good time for the Death Corps. Like, they're being hunted down by the main characters in your, you know, party when, when you're playing Final Fantasy Tactics. And so we get um, we get kind of the first fight that you encounter her in, retold. And all of the fights in this are much more grounded than they would be in Tactics. So there's no mention of black magic or, you know, weird... or. There's mention of white magic. They like after the fight, they white mages are the ones healing and such. Yeah, like two Final Fantasy tactic fan fictions. We get one spell. 
That's about yeah, mm-hmm. that's about right. Yeah, I think that was the main reason I thought they may have been written by the same author is they both kind of held this <laughs> this more like very real historical fiction. I think we mentioned before, like militaristic aspect rather than being the kind of fun fantasy that Final Fantasy Final Fantasy has. You know, we'll just call it Final Tactics. Sure. But there are a few great allusions to what kinds of abilities Ramza is using, but we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> okay, so we kind of see this fight, and it's it's pretty brutal. It's like, you know, here's random lines. Her mind was hazy, muddled from blood loss and the gauntlet she had taken to the side of her head, but she thought the corpse that she had just stumbled over was one of hers, one of the freshly recruited kids whose name she couldn't recall at the moment. His eyes still stared blankly upwards, his back arched painfully, his jaw muscles were locked open. Rainwater filled his mouth. He had probably died screaming. That's the kind of combats we're getting yeah. in this fanfic. Hitting the ground running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, she's she's cornered by Ramza and Delita and Argus. Algus? Ar- Algus? They change his name. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, the asshole. Mm-hmm. And it an interesting thing here is we get this whole conversation that happens in the game between all of these characters. Like, they're kind of, she's been disarmed, and Roms is reluctant to kill her, and Algus is like, well, totally kill her. We don't even need anything from her, just murder her. And the dialogue is rewritten from the game to be much better than the translation in the original <laughs> release of Tactics. And I was kind of curious whether the author was translating, retranslating from the Japanese, or just translating from the bad translation into something that is better writing. But either way... We get this whole conversation. In the game, Melita's just at your mercy. In this, she is constantly calculating whether she can get away with stabbing somebody and getting away. While while being injured. Right, while being injured. She's, like, spending the whole time looking for an opening to take one of these nobles out with her. Right. In the game, she's courageous and angry Mm -hmm. and resolved. And in this, you see a little bit more of her three-dimensional personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she actually seems a lot more hardened, like... With the kid who died, she was basically, like, seeing the rainwater fill his mouth and being like, well, he was too young to fight anyway. Yeah. It's um, it's a theme in this fanfic where, like, a through line of her characterization that it's one thing to, like, ask these young peasants to, like, join their rebellion when they think they had a shot. But now that they're kind of getting run down and crushed, mm-hmm. like, she's feeling terrible about getting any of these people involved, especially the young ones. Yeah, how, yeah. how moral is it to recruit when you know you're all going to probably die soon? It's a little bit Les Miserables. Yeah, I mean, she's feeling yeah. bad about it, but she's also making self-justification. Well, they, they thought they were so. going to win. Well, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, when these when they recruited <laughs> these kids, they thought they could win, too. Yeah, but they're talking about recruiting afterwards, or oh, yeah. as it goes on. I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, even, like, during the barricades. We're talking about Les Miserables now, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shouldn't have crossed those lines. <laughs> and this is the conversation that I think you hinted at before when you're talking about Algus, where he's saying, like, look, it's the will of gods that you're your peasants to be ground under our feet. He's saying that they're animals. Right. Now literally just animals. Yes. And she says, Don't blame this on God. All are equal in God's eyes. And his position is no. Animals don't have God. God cares yeah. about the nobles. And I like this part because she was, like, incensed at that. She, likes I don't remember exactly what she said. She's sort of like, excuse me, like, how dare you imply that this is God's work? I don't mm-hmm. think she necessarily says that, but she kind of thinks that. She's, like, she scoffs in her head, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that personality in there. And straight from the game, I she stands out in oh. a game with a whole bunch of characters who have names, 
and yes. you can't keep track of all of them. I remembered her, like, when mm-hmm. I started reading this fanfic. And especially since that's a big turning point in kind of the story. Yes. Ramza spares her life. Mm-hmm. Well, I also like the characterization of her uh, in this moment. Because, bef- like you said in the game, she just comes off as, like, confident and proud and not really any... You can't really sense any difficulty. No doubt, no. Yeah. Like, uh, in this paragraph, for example, Maluda cleared her throat deliberately. What are you waiting for? Her voice was quiet and cracked, weaker sounding than she had expected. She tried again. Louder and steadier this time. Just do it. Better. (laughs) Yeah, and I also just found my part is like, she literally does say out loud, don't you dare blame your sins on God, Mm -hmm. which is bold. Very bold. On point. Mm Mm-hmm. But she is spared because they've accomplished their military objective here, and Ramza, who is calling the shots, does not want to just execute a like person who's no longer any threat. I don't quite get why they don't capture her. I don't understand. It's kind of actually hard to capture somebody. Okay. Well, like, you have to you have to you know restrain them. You have to have somebody wash them. You have to give them food and rations. Takes a lot of resources. Yeah, okay, yeah. but she's also yeah. like a leader. She's not even. Right, well, they don't, they're not high enough level to have a mediator yet. <laughs> Fair. Of course. Also, like, with this, uh, this group of... Isn't this all a group of cadets? Yeah, basically. So maybe they just don't really know the importance of, like, her position or capturing her, and they're just kind of being, like, yeah, ignorant. They, they could you just know? be bad at their Naive. jobs. They could just be young and not know exactly what they're doing. And these, right, and I think part of what I like is that she has this brief retreating introduction to these characters, but it's not an in-depth dialogue at first. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens next? Well, did we address the part where... Um, she goes back. Where Ramza, like, says that she's not actually an animal. I don't know if that's important, but... It's not well, I mean, true, it she's is. not an animal. Like, r- she's just like us, she's not an animal. And August is like, this is betrayal. Mm-hmm. And um, Delita is like, I expected better of you, Ramza. Do it now, meaning kill her. We've wasted enough time already. And then somehow the captain decides that... Oh, wait, Ramza's the captain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so I think part of this, too, is it's a, a look at the perspective of somebody who is at the mercy of these three characters, Ramza, Delita, and Algus, who are all really arguing about whether to murder these people who are they're fighting yeah. while they're fighting them. And so she's sort of saying, oh my gosh, they're talking. I'm not sure what they're <laughs> talking about. But they're really arguing about whether to kill them. Hmm. And she's just thinking about how do I survive this situation? Yeah. And the whole thing mm-hmm. ends with like Ramza like, trying to make things more human and just as they leaving, looks at her and saying, do you really hate us that much? And like she's like surprised, and yeah. just after a while, just nods yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're she's going shocked to... that he's naive, is what she yeah. says. And the we'll naivety get... of the question. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get back to that in the second conversation mm-hmm. that is drawn from the later on in this fanfic. Yeah, but for now, she gets to retreat back to whatever you know rebel base they have. She's talking to another of the leaders, Golagros. Galag. I don't know these names. Clearly, Galagros. it's Galagros. Galagros, of course. Really? I thought it was Galagros. Clearly, it's goal a gross. <laughs> and long story short, he's just gotten back from kidnapping a noble. This is the aforementioned sister of Delita. Mm-hmm. And they think she's a noble because she's dressed like a noble and she lives in a castle. And she's like saying, no, I'm not a noble. And they're like, yeah, we don't believe you. And they're mm-hmm. running out of options at this point. They're yeah. Like, well, yeah. you 
you really better be a noble because otherwise it's <laughs> yeah. not, not good news for us. Yeah, yeah. Melita's whole um, battalion got killed. Uh, the other one's retreating from a, mm-hmm. from a retreat. They're, they're, they're definitely on the out. Yeah, and Golagros, when Golagros comes back with a captive, she's like, hey, you know what my brother said about taking captives. We need to have the moral high ground to win over the people. Mm-hmm. And he's... His argument is, look, we are getting crushed. We have no choice. We need to do something to mitigate uh, this, you know, the disastrous military actions we've been having. Also, if I didn't take a uh, captive, then me and my men would have been dead. Right. Yeah. And so they've got a captive now. And eventually she kind of comes around to that point of view because she's also, you know, very anxious about the situation that they're in. Now, this is kind of a part that I missed. Did they explain how they found her and took her captive? Like... Well, That's in the game. They just yeah. kind of take okay. her. They she just, just kind of hang out. They there. just take her. Riding a chocobo. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. They're not high enough level to be teleporting everywhere yet. Oh, uh, yeah. That's unfortunate. They could have done a lot more if they were. You'd think. Huh. But it fleshes out what, for the player, is just, they took the the sister of Delita, so clearly we're going to go kill them all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Th- this background about why he felt like that was a good game plan at this juncture is kind of invented by the fanfic? Is that, or is it just implied? I don't even know. Well, it's, it's a part of the story. I mean, okay. They say it, but this fleshes it out. Yeah, yeah. Which is most of this fanfic is things that were basically said but are being fleshed out. So I think the, the fanfic really picks up in the final battle scene, which is really where yeah. all the action turns. Yeah. Maluda and Galagros and, you know, some of the rebels are going to meet up with her brother and... Their goal is kind of to talk to him about how they might, like, where to go from here. Like, they've got a captive. What can we? What can we do with this? Also, um, Melita and Galgros are are arguing whether whether or not to tell uh, the, their brother and the uh, leader of the resistance to try to hang it up and retire and try oh, to right. get as many people out alive as possible. Yeah, man, writing Final Fantasy Tactics fan fiction. I guess I was saying this before. With a lot of Final Fantasies, you can fall back on characters' mannerisms, mm-hmm. and the main difference in tactics are like philosophical differences of opinion or perspectives on like military yeah. war or class struggle. Like, and often they look identical except for their outfit and their, <laughs> essentially their outfit and their name. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of characters in tactics, and a lot of it, yeah, it's like a, a game around that was partially based around just the innovativeness of the mechanics of the game. And partially around just, like, this political struggle. So having character-based fan fiction or character-driven fan fiction on it is really interesting. It, it takes a different tact, I guess. Mm. It's kind of a shame, really, because most of the games that are, like, of the tactics genre nowadays aren't as deep in the story or character-wise. They're kind of just shovelware almost. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know about these. Yeah, these days you're probably right. But I'm thinking back to other games of this sort of genre, and I think the Ogre Battle games kind of tried to go in this direction. Yeah. Right. So Final Fantasy Tactics is actually literally a (laughs) mechanical successor to the Tactics Ogre game because it has the same director. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I guess that explains it. Uh, Gil, you were about to talk about the final battle in this fanfic. Can you lead us into that? Right. So in the final battle, the... The characters in this story who are pretty complex and they disagree, but nonetheless they have this captive who Mm -hmm. is the emerging militia, the militia that's following them, one of the leader's sister, who is not actually a noble. Well, that's Delita. We just talked about him. Delita's, yeah, (laughs) young Delita. All right, we got... Yeah, they have Delita's sister. Right, they have Delita's sister. And uh, it's a pivotal moment in the game where 
she is killed tragically in this this final battle. Is this the fight when she dies? Oh no! So no, this, this, is, this is not. This is not. But they're retreating with her, and right. she dies uh, in that process. She being Maluda. Maluda does. Yes, yes, she does. But before that, she gets to talk with the main characters again. Right. And it's it's important the game because the turning point of Ramza, like when she she faces down Ramza during this fight when they're you know getting crushed, and he's he's asking her again like, so wait, I don't really understand why you hate us so much, and she's she has some good dialogue about it right and i would even say this is a cool fanfic in the sense that it's the end of the young ramza so after this and after the ensuing battle he's going to join the mercenary corps well like yeah uh, even before these two uh fight they square off and like the ramza and such tries to parlay oh right right try to say hey hey give up and like the Maluda saying, don't you understand that we can't? But the Ramza's like, no, you totally could. I, I, I can talk to the prince. I oh, can yeah. talk to the prince, and the prince, right. and everything will be fixed, and nobody has to die. And the Maluda's like, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. You there's... honestly, you honestly expect me to believe that Dysendarg would mediate with the Death Corps? The only thing your darling brother would have for us is the gallows. There, and she's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> there's an incredible, yeah. There's an incredible paragraph, like around that time, too, that basically says the same thing, but, like, Rom's asking, why revolution? Why all this? Um, are we really the ones you, who make you suffer? And then it's amazing, because, like, after that, you know, they're describing, like, with all the dozens of men and women murdering each other around, all the blood, blah, 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 Maluda came to a terrible realization. He was being serious. He was being utterly serious. She could have laughed or cried, but she didn't either. She didn't move at all. And it's like... Yeah, she just doesn't understand how he could literally be serious, and it's it's incredible. And this is all rewritten game it's, it's dialogue well, again. Yeah, and again, but, yeah, but with her perspective, which and is also, so well done. And also, it's better, it's rewritten to be more powerful than it was even in the game. I like, just think that perspective of, like, she came to a terrible realization, he was serious. It's just such a good line. Like, yeah. You know, it right. gets everything in perspective. And I think part of what makes that interesting is before we get there, we have this elaborate fight scene. So my absolute yeah. favorite, uh, so, you know, the, the Hakuten catch up with her. So she's fleeing from them, but they catch up and they have this dialogue and then they fight uh, because she says, you know what, you're never going to actually let us go. We're in this rebellion. So many of my friends have died. You don't understand. So they fight. And in this fight, it's uh, my favorite writing is uh, and in the middle or towards the end of the fight, leading up to this dialogue you're talking about, she found herself suddenly near the back of the Hakuten, her sword and arms stained with blood of however many she had killed to get there, two or four or five, she never counted, and two ranks away was Ramza Beov, dirty and blood-spattered, shouting orders and waving his sword above his head passionately. She sprinted as best as she could in her heavy armor, smashing her way through the soldiers separating them. And so this is my favorite because despite the gravity of the narrative of Final Fantasy Tactics, combat in Tactics is cerebral, it's slow, it's somewhat cartoonish, mm-hmm. with both sides are just kind of marching in place, <laughs> uh, patiently true. waiting yeah. their turn to fight. And so even though there's all this action that's happening, it's, it's slow. And in this, it kind of shows what it would actually look like in real time. Also, my understanding from reading that LP is that Ramza spends a lot of time shouting at people. <laughs> yeah, they all stop fighting, and he's just like, hey, uh, 
Well, are, should we really be killing each other here? I, I'm not so sure. Uh, I mean, he has some kind of shout ability that raises Brave. Oh, yeah, that's true. That he uses a lot. <laughs> and you get a lot of experience. You can use that to farm. You know, and, and it's a good point, too, like cutting out that marching in place and also just that general, like, picking your moves and optimizing everything before you do anything element mm-hmm. makes us a really dramatic story. But, Kaylin, you're absolutely right. Like, all of that other stuff takes away from the storyline in a certain way. It's yeah. like, you don't feel the drama. But these fanfics, both of the ones we've read, have made you feel really the drama of the story and I the think punch. If if the drama didn't continue throughout the game, it would feel like such a mismatch because the combat is slow and technical and the story is kind of dark and dramatic. But because they they keep the story moving through, it matches better. Mm-hmm. And so once, once they clash a little bit, then they have that big turning point conversation. And it's the big turning point conversation for Ramza in the game because he... She says, like, I'm sorry that you're so ignorant and sheltered that, like, you don't understand what's going on. And maybe you're right that, like, you want what's best for us. But as a noble, like, you in your position, your position is the enemy. And right. we, we and have I, to do what we have to do. And I think, actually, there's not a huge amount of dialogue that Maluda has in the game. And mm-hmm. one of the things she says that I love is that ignorance itself, I think I think she says something like, ignorance itself is a sin mm-hmm. in that that she wants to fight him because he's naive when she's suffered so much. Right. And this really highlights that. And yeah, the, the author does a good job of drawing on those quotes, actually. Yeah, and expanding on them. Yeah. And that's what, what will lead Ramza in the game to kind of understand his privilege. And once, uh, once Delita's sister dies, he finds himself complicit in all the events that led to it, even with the best of intentions and in the systems that led to it. But this fanfic is not Ramza's story. The ending of Maluda's story comes right here mm. because she gets killed by Ramza. Right. Yeah, after a few final words, just like um, Ramza saying, I never wanted to kill anyone. She licked her lips. Neither did I. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Then they just fight and Ramza wins. Yeah. Right. And there's a line that I really love. And I'm just going to look at it for a sec. <laughs> just enjoy it. <laughs> Yes, there's a line that I really love where right at the end, the last two sentences, uh, she fell a helpless eternity to the ground. So she's dying, curled up into a ball involuntarily. She wished her armor was off. She wished her brother was there. She wished her parents were still alive. She wished she was still at the farm she was born at. She felt someone's hand gripping her own, and she held on tight. I'm so sorry, brother, she whispered too softly for anyone to hear and let her eyes close. And so there's that question of what's she feeling when she's feeling someone gripping her hand Mm -hmm. or comforting her. And I guess I think of it as Ramza and his innocence. Yeah. And and the fact that he he doesn't want to be in this fight. He's the unwitting soldier. And he's killed her, and so he's kind of holding her hand. And she's not even a dehumanized enemy to him. Like, he's talked to her before. Hmm. He's had two conversations with her. He, you know, he's not thinking of her as, like, a faceless villain either yeah but it, you could also read it as what in her mind like her brother or well yeah because she brother? also says i'm so sorry brother after right. she feels the hand gripping her own but yeah i mean aside from that too like i i've actually read this th- this last part three times now 
just to get the like a, a beat of it. And this was the first time I'm hearing it. I'm still kind of getting teary eyed. Like it was very intense. There's some good it's lines in well there. Written. Like yeah. when when he's slashing her, that the slash is going to kill her. Um, he moved too fast, moving aside her strike, sword raising, and she could feel a thousand miles of vulnerable space between one shoulder and the other. That's a really cool line. Yeah. 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 And then this ending is extremely emotional, like wishing her brother was, she wished her armor was off. Like I felt like that mm-hmm. was the most beautiful part of it is she doesn't want to be fighting. Yeah, like, throughout the whole thing. You can thing... see it as physical, but you can also see it as like she just doesn't want to be this soldier. Yeah, throughout know? this whole fan, like, they they really made you care about this character. Yeah, yeah. they really did. They and they did don't a great go job. too deep into her underlying motivations of, of what does she want for her family? What uh, and they don't need to. No, and, and they, they don't. summarize yeah. it in those last lines of, you know, underlying her hardened soldier mentality is this love of of her family and her farm and her brother. And you're right. That's really interesting because yeah, that farm. That's the first time a farm was mentioned in the yes. story. Yeah, and that's oh gone. And, and yeah, that's in a story that's dedicated to expanding this character. But it's because she's where she's at right now and so caught up in that. It's not. You know, and in the middle of the fanfic, there when the, she was arguing with the other um, captain or whatever, where they were saying you really should just uh, retreat and retire and surrender so you can all live, and she's like, I can't because my brother is never going to abandon this mm-hmm. as the, uh, the abandon this rebellion, and no matter what happens, I cannot not be there if I can when my brother's dying. This fanfiction is so delicate in many ways; it's so subtle. Because there's lines like that that give you infinite insight into this character. And nothing else needs to be said for you to understand. They don't need to say, Maluda felt or thought this. Or, or, you know, this was her past or her reflection. They almost have they have no reflections of her past and her background. They have few explanations for her feelings. But in her dialogue, there's almost everything. And in her position as this soldier fighting for this cause everything is revealed and you feel infinite sympathy for her and that is brilliant to me i think it's very well done right and in a way there's this tension between ramzan and delita throughout final fantasy tactics and she is similar to delita in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. she is fighting against the ruling class and ramza killing her in a way is sort of like ramza killing delita or at least uh Ramza killing that sort of idealistic warrior. Well, they don't have the advantage of working within the system like Delita does because he has that access to privilege from growing up with the Belus, with Ramza's family, mm-hmm. and they do not. And so that's the only the only Real direction difference. they can go. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of interesting to pair these two fanfics together. Now that we're diving into it a bit, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think it. Uh, it's only two data points, but it might show where the sort, the interest of the sort of people who write Final Fantasy Tactics fan fiction, like where their interests lay. The, the moral right? ambiguity of yeah, the character's motivation. Not in like the crazy Zodiac stones and demon plots, but in the the really grounded historical war type nature and class struggle and like people's motivations and that kind of small character moments. And these extremely character-driven stories, like, these are, yeah, these are, like, high literature kind of, like, character-driven stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I hate that sort of dichotomy between plot and character and, like, 
pulp and the high fiction or whatever, but they are. They're, like, character-driven, and, and ex- it, it's not kind of what I would have expected, you know? Speaking of high literature, uh, the our first author, Miss Tell, mentioned that this, her story was heavily inspired by the short story Bullet in the Brain by Tobias Wolfe, which I've never read. Sure. But, you know, I she was... see that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think very, like, strictly and literally see that because it's, like, the narrative of someone dying. Right, right exactly. In both stories, there's some exploration of what it feels like to die. In, in this second story with Maluda, it's that last paragraph where she's dying and she lets go of everything. Yeah. And with the first story with King Delita, it's this long, reflective process. Yeah. So having come to the end of both fanfics... These two fanfics were judged, and instead of doing our usual things we want to complain about, things we want to praise, I want us to look at it like judges. Mm-hmm. And the two categories, if you recall, were quality of the writing and entertainment value. So for each of these two fanfics, which do you think is the stronger point? Quality of the writing or entertainment value? You could think of it as, did you enjoy it more or did you appreciate it more? That's a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to trip you all up. Well, here's why I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult because the first fanfic is so entrenched in the lore and the plot of mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Tactics. It's almost a, you know, it's an epilogue, right? Whereas the second fanfic... She, she was looking to Vagrant's story to get clues to continuity to, like, inform the content of the fanfic, right? Right. And and does that very well. And then in the second story, it's this illustration of a scene within the game but going back to your question going back to the first fanfic i think the king delita story is less about entertainment and more Mm -hmm. about an exploration so in that way i'd say the writing quality is what shines the most i definitely agree with that yeah i i thought it was really interesting but i I wasn't interesting interested in it because of the writing quality it was the the content i think Mm. Yeah, I, I would score that higher on entertainment value as well. I enjoyed it more. Like, I appreciate the second fanfic, but having just read a playthrough of Tactics, I was like, yeah, I know basically what happens to Melita. Like, this is basically the same, you know, dialogue. I under, Like, it's better written, but I wasn't as engaged as I was in the Melita story. Also, with the second story, with the Melita story, I did have one point where we didn't talk about where they're being chased by, I forgot what they're called, the Hokuto no Ken Brigade. <laughs> Yeah, Hope, Hope Ten? Hope Ten? <laughs> yeah. Essentially the player. Right. 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 And, well, and that's one thing that I love in terms of entertainment. Well, at that point where I got a little bit lost because there was several long descriptive paragraphs about them running through the countryside, which I had problems concentrating getting through. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. And so second story, would you say the quality of the writing shines through more than the ability to hook you or keep you fully engaged? I don't know. Yeah, I, I listened to the second story more than I listened to the first, and that was to pick up on everything. But, like, having, you know, kind of reread it here and looked at it, there were so many shining points of writing that yeah. were really beautiful. And I think there's beautiful writing in both stories. So, like, I'm not trying to pick favorites, even though Amato wants me to. <laughs> but in the sense of that, like, yes, the first story I grasped very easily and, and it flowed throughout to the point where I could read it very quickly and felt very engaged. The second one, I think maybe I didn't have enough context, but also, like, it was more about certain particular points of writing rather than the flow throughout. Yeah. So I think I would agree with everyone's so, analysis. To answer your question, Amato, mm-hmm. 
I think my answer is the first story I want to see as a fan work short film. Yeah. The second story was most likely to still make me cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've talked about this. I, I talked about this before, and, and you agreed with me then, but it's just, yeah, as former drama kids, the first one, I really did just want to see it staged. Yeah. Like, you can do such a cool <laughs> yeah. one act with, like, you know, the dying king and, like, these various memories, and some of the scenes are just really act asking to be portrayed and like really awkward parts we we dim the dim the lights and you have people and the stage hands come out in black and move the cubes around yeah absolutely the, oh you can make it so artsy yeah <laughs> and if you have all of the return scenes to the king dying would you just like put a dead king back on stage dim the lights do another scene put a dead king back on stage no, he's just the same actor you put a like white beard on him and lean back down <laughs> <laughs> and you make him open his cloak and just show the and in the flashbacks he keeps his cloak closed yeah the actor yeah. Would, the actor would That's be standing brilliant. up and lying down a lot there would be some indication like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Let's do it. What was entertaining to me about the second story was you get the experience of what it would be like to face down the protagonist of a, of a video. JRPG. Like oh, yeah. It should be terrifying. Oh, yeah. It's t- and, <laughs> and Rob's like, She's like, he's really young, but he's moving really, yeah, really fast. He seems like this no monster. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and he, he's, he's naive. Not only is he a monster... But he's saying, he's saying, I don't want to fight you. But then when he, he's like, okay, no, I am going to kill you because you're saying, oh, you know, I'm, I, if we can't talk this out, I'll just kill you. Right. right. And he does it with this ruthless efficiency and she, she, he stabs her through the heart. Right. And so it's entertaining in that sense of it's well-written in the action. Yeah. And then he loots her memories when she turns into a crystal. That's brutal. <laughs> that is really brutal. Right, that's right. a bummer. These stories really point out the brutality of these narratives that I think the game kind of makes more light, even though like I don't think the game's trying to make them light. I think it's the same thing we were talking before, like you're more focused on the mechanics and like you leveling up in your job tiers than you are on this intensity that is so emotional. It definitely takes it much more seriously than any other of the Final Fantasies. Yeah, exactly. Just fighting mobs. Yeah. There's issues with that kind of gameplay story integration when you move away from a game. And so we've said before, but it was a smart move on both these parts to like basically take away the gameplay and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like it worked well. Well, because it wasn't necessary for a narrative. Now then, this was episode 23 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Delita the King and the Ending of a Revolution. I forgot to give the links to them, but you can find them still hosted on the Icy Brian site. Our short links are bit.ly slash rfrtactics1, that's, you know, just the numeral one, and bit.ly slash rfrtactics2. Next week, for our episode which is coming out around Valentine's Day, I decided I hate love and romance, mm-hmm. so I did not want to do a romantic fanfic. You think that'd be a pretty obvious Shut up, you're or... married. Yeah. You know why we got I'm married? single. Screw you. Tori, we got married so we didn't have to date anyone anymore, because that yeah. sucks. Yeah, well, if I was married, then I don't date anyone. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, I decided instead of I'm celebrating better. love, we're celebrating another very important part of Valentine's Day which is sales of cards. Oh, and we're doing a oh, Care Bears a fan fiction. That's oh, a franchising, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although you, you think it's kind of a big miss for a fanfic podcast not to do some sort of slash fig. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to slash fig at some point. Yeah, In really, fact, I think... Like, we've only done ones that I've hated, like the Kirk Spock. I mean, I didn't hate the fanfic, I just hate the pairing. You'll be happy to know I've got some slash for the episode after this lined up. Uh, oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that'll appease we'll you. Uh, no, probably not. Myself, I just want to see True Heart Bear be a badass. So, and Noble Heart Horse. Yeah, that's he actually way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, Galen, thanks for coming out with us. Hey, you bet. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It really needed somebody who knew about Final Fantasy Tactics in order to talk about these. <laughs> you saved us. It was a lot of fun just going back into what I experienced as a kid and then as a teen and then now uh, going back as an adult. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's probably the slow campaign we have of getting everybody we, we know at one point on the fan, on the podcast. Yeah. Yep. You just have to find the right hook for him. Right. Well, this one we really need him, Galen, for him. I'm just going to say that out loud. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't mean to insult you, but Galen was necessary. I will say that in Final Fantasy Tactics, I did the grind that every good tactics fan does every character to 99th level <laughs> mastering every class except for some runner accumulated 99 wow. calibers from enemies throwing them at you right torturing a chocobo <laughs> from 1 to 99 <laughs> oh, on the very yeah. first map that's the way to do it that's why we needed you that's where you get your insight from yeah those are the kind of <laughs> gray moral decisions you have to make I learned so much from torturing that one chocobo forever <laughs> how, how slow can you make that chocobo <laughs> <laughs> How many times can you shout? Right. It's really a game about animal ethics more than anything else. This is why I never made it all the way through the game. <laughs> so next week, you can find the link at bit.ly slash rfrrise. The fanfic is going to be called Rise and Fall. A Care Bears fanfic. Bit of a non-sequitur, don't you think? I'm okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, I needed to end the podcast. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> The intro song to this podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic. Or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Leaving comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular would also be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. I'm Galen. We're just four Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Let's go torture some chocobos for experience. Yes, trying to be nice only to each other. To yeah. everyone else, we are cruel. Yeah, screw chocobos. <laughs> and then breed them. <laughs> Until next time, take care. You, you yeah, the bye. <laughs>